Oh, I had to think quick. Remember where I'd seen that key or I'd be hot-footing it over a fire pit. That's when the headbone come a-flying at me. This wasn't gonna be no day at the beach. If you've got a mind like Einstein and reflexes to match, then Montezuma's Revenge is the game for you. It's a revolutionary game that challenges you to think smart and react fast. Join Panama Joe's search for buried treasure. Figure a way to get him over the fire pits, behind the locked doors, through a hundred rooms crawling with critters. Get Montezuma's Revenge and get ready for action and adventure like you've never had before. Available in disc for Apple II, Atari computers, Commodore 64, and IBM in cartridge for Atari 2600, Atari 5200, and ColecoVision. Montezuma's Revenge, featuring Panama Joe! Parker Brothers... <laughs>
on fire. I'll just spark it off that, and then I'll hose down that bush with water. It's a lot of fun. It is a, a, a tool that I highly recommend. Although I did discover that uh, it doesn't kill dandelions, so they keep coming back. But I learned another trick on that, where mm. if you uh, just rip the dandelions out and then pour vinegar down the hole, yeah. apparently that kills them because... I don't know why. I guess it turns them into sauerkraut. That's my so, assumption. So, you see, I was actually going to talk, like, you know, somewhat comic book-related banter and stuff. I was going to, like... Me too. Flamethrowers! Fair enough. I was going to say that this last weekend, when from when we were recording, I went out and actually participated in the free comic book day with my daughter, and we got ourselves, like, 20 comic books between us. Oh, free comic day. Yeah. Yeah. There, <clears throat> okay. There's one that was called Barrier that was really good. I uh, don't tell Hillary when I was going out to refill the propane tank for the flamethrower today. May have swung by a comic shop and may have cruised the after table of the free comic day. And I did pick up Barry, but I haven't read it. Okay, good, good, yeah, good. It's, um, it's hiding one, in my car right now. One thing you need to do is you need to uh, like have a translator nearby because half of it is in Spanish and it's not translated. Hey, and I, I decided, am going to get very little out of this. And I decided that since my daughter, who is learning Spanish, is only seven and some of the content that book did not look appropriate, I decided just to go ahead and translate it myself. Google it. I could, yeah. yeah. I'm but, looking forward to reading that then. No, it, was, it was good. It was good. That was one that kind of stuck out for me. I actually took, uh, I actually studied Spanish. I took, uh, I've taken a couple of years of Spanish and I took a couple of years of sign language. Ask me what I remember. You're going to speak in your Italian accent again, aren't you? Well, no. Why would I do that? <laughs> it's, it's uh, unlike me. Well, once again, you have taken, taken my little rant to manner and you've shoved it off to the side. So, um, <laughs> sorry. I'm just moving on okay. and saying, um, let's go back to this comic book. Why don't you give us a two cents replay of the last episode? Can do and will do, my friend. The powers make it safely back to Earth with their parents, and Julie celebrates by giving Friday the cold shoulder and telling her to make like a spaceship and leave. While dealing with their missing four days and a well-inventoried house, the family goes out to Not McDonald's, where Carmody chases the kids to the least safe cliffside attraction ever, where he takes matters into his own flabby hands by unsuccessfully attempting to murder the power children. Also, Link defeated Ganon and the Triforce was reassembled. For the last time, Rick. Wrong. Link. Meh. <sighs> okay, now that that and the two-sentence replay is over. Rick, why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our Power Pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. Yay! I love this part of the show because I get beer, and beer time is the best time. Do you want to guess what kind of beer I got you? Oh, let's see. This one is called... Oh, it's going to be another IPA. No. Yay! <laughs> best day ever! Not IPA day! Ooh, Elysian Dragon's Tooth Stout! <laughs> oh my god, this has all the words that I love on it! <laughs> <laughs> so yes, this is Dragon Tooth Stout from Elysian, the featured player of this episode, which is Dragon Man. That's that's as really as simplistic as we get with this one. Now it makes sense to me. I was thinking secrets, and the secret is that I love stouts. <laughs> yes, but no, I just went I went with easy on this one. This one it's about Dragon Man. I got a dragon beer. Here we go. Have you ever had this beer? I I don't think I have, but I love Elysian stuff. Okay. Their split shot is just my oh, go-to that's, that's amazing one. beer, but it's only seasonal and it makes me upset when it's gone. So this is an 8.1 8 ABV. IBU is 56, so... 
glass hops. Uh, it is an imperial oatmeal stout, rich, complex, full-bodied flavor. It pours a deep midnight black with a light tan head, smells of coffee and dark chocolate, and the mouthfeel is velvety smooth with flavors of roasted malts, oatmeal, and warm bread. Dragon's Tooth is a very drinkable stout, satisfying, but not heavy. Oh, that is a stout. Look at how dark that is. <laughs> oh, baby, you got what I need. <laughs> And I said it was a stout. Oh, yeah, I can't see light through that. That is, Okay, yeah. No, no, I'm, 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 I'm a happy man with stouts, too. I'm a very happy man with stouts. And this I have looks had nice. this before. I have had this before. Oh, cheers, my friend. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. That will do. That will do fine. That will do very well. I wanted a burly and unsophisticated beer for what we're about to see, which, spoiler, is a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dragon. It's a man. It's dragon. Dragon. Um, and also, we need an unsophisticated and burly beer to get us through this issue. <laughs> not to give spoilers but we might need more beer but it's going to be a good episode so that'll be fun and now the opening credits if you please power pack issue number six january 1985 secrets credits written by louis simonson penciled by june brigman yay june is back yay inked by bob wycheck lettered by joe rosen colored by glennis ween edited by carl potts Editor-in-Chief, Jim Shooter. We are back to our main team after a little bit of an artist shift from last issue. The team and artists might be back, but we now have a big shift in the story. The first five issues were really one big arc. We had the intro of the characters, the bestowing of powers, the kidnapping and rescue of their parents, and the aftermath of the initial attack. Right. Now the family is starting a literal new chapter. They have moved to New York City into a new apartment, new jobs, new school, new friends, and the kids are still getting used to their powers and how they interact with each other. And we have a big change from the first five issues in the first page. In the past, the first page was served as a recap or a setup as characters provided exposition about what has occurred previously while interacting with each other. In this first page, we don't even have dialogue. Instead, we have a huge, misshapen gargoyle breathing fire at a guard, shooting a gun at it. Roar! Blam! Blam! Followed by the next page, which is a series of panels showing this monster knocking out the man. Thwack! Clang! Oof! Thinking of a doll! Moving to pet the ragdoll of a man and being assaulted by some sound. Grabbing some barrels. Clang, clang. And crashing out of a roof and flying away. Crash. Well, then. Okay. For Marvel readers who have been around a while, this is no big thing. See, this is Dragon Man. He's a creation of Stan Lee and Jack Kirby from the 60s. A man named Professor Gregory Gilbert invented this 15-foot, 6,000-pound gray goliath while grieving his dead family. Thanks to the mixing of his science and the alchemy of Diablo, his creation came to life and started to cause all kinds of trouble for super teams like the Fantastic Four, the Avengers, the X-Men, pretty much everyone on Marvel's list. Due to his limited intelligence at the time, Dragon Man was usually controlled or cared for by various supervillains and heroes. The last group to claim such credit was the Circus of Crime, a group of villains who caused terror from their traveling Circus of Crime. Sometimes some things don't need to be explained. This is not one of those times. What? Seriously, this needs to be explained. <clears throat> the Circus of Crime is mostly used as a joke group, and their big go-to crime is to hypnotize their audience and then rob them. On occasion, they'll hypnotize a hero and have them work for him. In this instance, they had done that to Dragon Man. Then they did what they do to a crowd that had Rick Jones in it, who is a friend of the Hulk who shows up. Yeah, 
Anyway, the Incredible Hulk defeated them, and the Dragon Man flew off and landed in this story. At this point, we don't know why he's here, what's happening, why he was thinking of a doll, or why he grabbed those barrels. Will this mystery be answered in the future? Yes. Yes, it will. What about Power Pack? Oh, they're sleeping in, as one is wont to do on Manhattan's Upper West Side. Alex is woken up as a dragon-shaped shadow passes across his bedroom window. A bedroom he and Jack are sharing. Alex tries to rouse the resting Jack and then provides us with a G. Oh, first of the day. Take a drink. Drinky drink. And then he degravitizes the bunk bed and dumps Jack out using his incredible G powers. Wow. Two Gs and two panels. Alex is really upping his G aim. I mean game. That was really bad. Really bad. Quickly thinking, Jack clouds up and gives Alex a withering stare. But Alex reminds him that they only have a day before school starts to find Spider-Man and bring photos of him to J. Jonah Jameson. Now, I may have made that last part up. No, go with this. Triple J would have no trouble exploiting children to further his goal of selling papers. This could be a whole new untapped market. Children, bring me pictures of Spider-Man! But it's a school night and I don't have a camera. Bah! It's lazy attitudes like that that'll keep you in school, too! In the next room, Katie is having a nightmare about snarks. Julie, who is sharing a room with her sister, wakes up and light speeds across the room just in time to see the pink teddy bear Katie is holding disintegrate. Freaking out, she lifts Katie up in the air. She wants to get her out of the bed before Katie disintegrates it. Wait, she is worried about the bed, stuffed animals, blankets, but not her own skin? Like, what if Katie disintegrates her? Hey, the only way that Julie is going to learn to stop making bad life choices like this is to get disintegrated a little bit, or probably a lot. Hey, on the plus side, it would open up some more seating in the apartment. Huh, another open chair at the table. Does sound like a win to me. Yeah, me too. Huh, does this make us monsters? Nope! Their mother opens up the door and Julie cuts her power and the girls land on the bed. Womp! After their mother leaves, Julie breaks the bad news about the pink teddy bear. Now I gotta say... My daughter loves her stuffed animals, all seven dozen of them. And if her favorite one was destroyed, if Bunny was destroyed, well, her secret powers would not be secret anymore. What would her superpower be? What do you mean? She already told us, like, back during issue number four. Don't you remember? No. To free stuff, it's kind of like that. Duh. What about your child's power? I do not miss those days. So the kids are all up and having breakfast at a proper table with the correct amount of chairs. Must have been another perk of the teaching job. A huge free apartment fully furnished with enough chairs for you and your family. We do love to focus on chairs and beavers, don't we? And tables and beavers. But hey, you know what I noticed? What? It's a different table and chair setup than what they had back at their beach house in the previous issue. I guess the brain damage that Snarks caused manifests in Jim as the need for appropriate seating for his family. Could be worse. Could be a lot worse. This brain damage actually seems to be beneficial for the whole family. The boys are huddled over a daily bugle looking at a picture of Spider-Man decking the Hobgoblin and reading a story about the fire-breathing monster in the warehouse district. They're so engrossed that they're ignoring Julie, which rightfully ticks her off. What's Julie talking about? I don't know. I wasn't paying attention. Huh. Mom comes and lays down the law. She has taken the girls out to run errands and assigns the boy with KP duty and a milk run. She also reminds Alex that he'll be watching all the kids later on this afternoon while the parents are out. On the way out the door, Julie tells Alex not to take off on any adventures. Yeah, <laughs> like that's gonna work. As Alex is closing the door, he and Jack start making plans, including putting a mask on Alex, finally! Jack's cloud form obscures his identity enough, but for Alex, they use an old Spider-Man mask. I really hated wearing those as a kid. So, forgetting to do their chores, they step out the window and, oh gee! Drink time. Begin to bounce around the city so nice, they named it twice. New York, New York. 
You went there. After a lighter-than-air head, Alex gets tossed around. He tries to jump from rooftop to rooftop. They finally spot Spidey swinging around. They follow him to the warehouse that the Dragon Man busted out of. And they see him talking to a couple of people they don't recognize. Oh, but we do. That would be Cloak and Dagger. Now, I don't think we have to really introduce Spider-Man. This is the OG real deal, Mr. Peter Parker. Struggling freelance photographer and scrappy crime fighter. If you want his backstory, go watch a movie, an animated series, or pick up any one of the thousands of books about him. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Spins a web, yes he can. Other stuff, I bet he can. You forgot the words. Watch out, here comes that man who dresses like an arachnid. Nice. Red and blue, I guess sure. Unless it's black and white, that one's true too. Sometimes he's wearing armor, sometimes he's not. Sometimes he's black and silver and he's wearing spider-based armor based off of that kind of design. Watch out! Here comes the ever-expanding change of a superior Spider-Man! I need a moment. <laughs> In the heat stop, of- stop, stop, stop. <laughs> we should. And we will talk about Cloak and Dagger sometime, but not right now. They're only seen on, like, this one page. Blink and you miss their cameo. But they will be back. Oh, yes. They will be back. Like, next issue. We'll describe their look, because they're insanely recognizable. Both are teenagers, but they're drawn much older. Cloak is a black man who wears a blue cloak with black stripes. This cloak completely covers his body, and the cowl covers his head, only allowing his face to show. The interior of the cloak is all black. You can never really see his actual body in this void. Dagger is a white woman with bleach blonde hair. She wears a full-body white leotard with the most improbable cutout in the world. On her torso, the fabric is cut out in the shape of a point-down dagger with a handle. I was always amazed at how she could fight crime and never endure a Janet Jackson wardrobe malfunction. I mean, how is this possible? Unstable molecules. Comic science. Lots of tape. Lots and lots of tape. Maybe it's body paint because it's a pretty snug costume. Pretty snug. Very snug. I mean, you can... I'm feeling uncomfortable talking about this yeah. on a family-friendly podcast. Anyway, but... it's it's a tight out. Anyway, Cloak and Dagger exchange some information about gangsters working on synthetic drugs similar to the ones that gave them their powers to make an army of drugged and superpowered criminals. And they heard that the monster that stole these barrels is involved. I promise you, we will explain this later. If you're lucky. But somehow, from this information, Old Webhead deduces that the monster might be a dragon. Like the one that Gregson Gilbert made. Spidey tells him that Gilbert taught at Empire State. Dagger starts awkwardly yelling, These men are evil, Spider-Man! Their plan must be foiled! Don't try to stop us! You're gonna go with that voice for Dagger? Yeah. I'm okay with it. I'm not wearing the costume. Aww. But I made my birthday wish and everything. Just read the script. (laughs) They then take off by stepping into Cloak's Cloak and disappearing into what sounds like a much more interesting adventure than what Power Pack has going on. Spidey swings off thinking, quite smugly, that Gilbert's teaching at Columbia now. He has dealt with these two before and finds their methods to be a bit too intense. So he has misled them, as all good heroes do. And as Spidey webs away, Alex wonders what time it is. It's clobberin' time! What? Isn't that the ever-loving blue-eyed G's catchphrase? No. Both of those things you just said are Ben Grimm's catchphrases. Ah. Uh, what did Alex ask again? What time is it? Showtime, showtime, yo! I'm Alex Powers in the place to be. I've got two sisters, another sibling makes three. Ha! Those green snarks don't want it with me, cause I will pop chicka prap all the gravity. Are you finished? Yep. You, sir, are no Lin-Manuel Miranda. 
Aw, is it because I'm not shiny like the glimmer off a of polished Friday's hull? Smart ship's hull and make it look like the power of being recorded has gone to your head? Because it already looks like that. Oh, this isn't musical theater? No, it's not. This is your basement. Aww. <laughs> but I have the power of imagination. It's failing you. Back at the apartment, the girls have been dropped off by their mom, and they have to do the boys' chores. They are pretty ticked off, and they decide to fly out and find them. With Katie on Julie's back, they start flying through the city without any masks. Gotta say, the boys were a little bit smarter on this one. They disguised themselves, they found Spider-Man, they got the girls to do their work for him. <laughs> the wall crawler has made it to Columbia, and is looking in a window at Gilbert giving a lecture when... Crash! Now Dragon Man is flying away with Gilbert and Spider-Man, since the witty web-slinger slinged a web to the ankle of the antagonist. Sweet. This does not please our Dragon Boy, not one little bit, let me tell you. And he burns away the sticky stuff, sending Spider-Man spiraling south to a solid surface. <sighs> Luckily, there's a second Spider-Man clinging to a nearby building, but this one still has yet to hit puberty. After catching the falling arachnid aficionado, Alex Boy explains the situation to our shocked superhero. Spidey responds by questioning Alex's age. The girls, meanwhile, are in a rainstorm. One that has not yet reached the part of New York where the boys are. But is thick enough for them not to be able to recognize a giant purple dragon until it is on top of them. Julie's reaction is to bolt. But the dragon man finds the two girls adorable. Aww. <laughs> I love the fact that Gilbert's screaming for help. He's basically going, help me, I'm Professor Gilbert. And Julie's all, I know, later. <laughs> Dude, it's your creation. Maybe you should not create a monster next time. Katie and Julie do come to their senses, and they remember that they are here to help people. They swing back around and find out from the good professor that the dragon man thinks they are angels and won't hurt them. Yeah, I'm not buying this. If he's so gentle, why has he doctor-napped you? Well, Rick, you see, ultrasonics control him. They, they, they cause him great pain? What, what is that awful noise? What noise? That annoying capital E noise. Oh, that's my daughter doing the sound effect that is causing the Dragon Man to fly away in the middle of the professor's explanation. Wow, that is really annoying. I know, right? Can you turn it off? Oh, yeah, sure. Ah. Uh. Thank you. Hey, this actually answers the mystery of what was going on in the first pages. How so? Well, if we put together the info from the newspaper and Cloak and Dagger and what Gilbert just told us, we know that the evil men are using Dragon Man to steal the supplies that they need, including Professor Gilbert, in order to make their synthetic army. Oh, okay. What about the Dolly Thought Bubble, then? Oh, that's simple. Gilbert says that he isn't too smart, so we know that Dragon Man is basically a giant, bulletproof, fire-breathing Lenny Small from Of Mice and Men, and that all he wants to do is pet the bunnies, which happened to be... People. Okay, I need to tell you that last night I was rewatching an old episode of Highlander, the TV show. Mm -hmm. It's because I'm following along with another podcast on Highlander Rewatched. And they did an episode that's basically an immortal who is like Lenny from Of Mice and Men. Okay, I don't think he would last long. Well, they end up putting him out of his misery. We'll say, because, oh, and I just happened to get quickening as an inheritance. Yeah, it was rough. Yeah, that would be yeah. a really rough one. Anyways, this is all kind of terrifying. I can still tend the bunnies, George. Meanwhile, at the elsewhere in a rain-soaked city... Spidey and the boys are hanging off the side of a building, exchanging introductions, saying, Gee! Oh, Lord. Giving directions to which way the dragon went, and a big thanks. Now get the heck home, you lousy kids, from the old webhead. This does not sit well with the small siblings, and they decide to not follow his advice by following him. We now switch back to the sneaky sisters who stealthily see some seriously sinister suits shoving the snatched scholar into a season's non-secular setting. 
Wait, what? The girls watch Gilbert get pushed into an old church by bad guys. Uh. Man, you are so on a hip. It's amazing your pants don't fall down. Aww. You know, I want this to be every church in the Marvel Universe. Daredevil should be hanging out on the roof. The symbiote sliding out of the bell tower. An unsuspecting Eddie Brock down below. And I just ran out of examples. So back to the story. No, no, hold on, I got you. For being an overpopulated city where real estate is at a premium, there is a mess of abandoned churches in the, in the Marvel New York, anyway. Yeah, I, I think it's because of, you know, comic book reasons. <laughs> back in this story... Some nondescript bad guy turns a knob on a device causing more unpleasant noises. Which causes Dragon Man to follow the bad guy's instructions. Apparently, this is a drug dealer named D'Angelo, and he has a plan which will become clear in the future, like the next couple of episodes or something. For now, Katie says, Julie, when we rescue Professor Gilbert, let's save his monster too. The girls break into this dilapidated church, reminding each other to use their code names and quickly find the Dragon Man. To be fair, he is pretty hard to hide. But they can't move him, but they do give him a name. Because when you're in a crisis, name something. It is the Power Pack way. They call him Baby. Julie remembers... I said, they call him Baby. I know, and I am trying to ignore it because it is a stupid name. They call him Baby nine times. Which makes it hard to ignore. Why did they name him Baby? <sighs> Julie remembers the control box the bad guys have been using, and an angry Katie says... They don't have to disintegrate it. The girls look into the next room and quickly fail a stealth roll. I mean, they rolled like a one. I'm saying it's retribution for naming Dragon Man Baby. I agree. And they are quickly caught and brought into a room that is filled with a haze of cigarette smoke. Ah, the 80s. And Katie is grabbed again. And she shoots off a Powerball again. We should start taking drinks every time that happens. Yeah, we, maybe we should. This does have the benefit of motivating <sighs> Baby. These kids should not name things. And he comes into the room, Kool-Aid Man style. Crash. Oh, yeah. The bad guys try using the control box. But the dragon ain't having any of it and continues to advance, which allows the girls to get free, grab the control box, disintegrate it, and... Kaboom! A powerball creates a new door for them to escape by. Hooray! As the girls fly away, they make plans to hide a dragon in their basement. Okay. The boys continue to pester the web-slinger. Spider-Man gives them a talk about irresponsibility and how it led to someone dying. But he does not give him that famous line. Uh, what line? The line. Oh, you mean a long big capability totals tremendous authority? Um, something like that? Alright. Anyway, the red and blue masked hero makes them promise to head home. Jack doesn't understand why Alex would agree to stop adventuring. Alex recognizes that they have been irresponsible. Jack just shrugs and says, Who cares? I'm just glad we met Spider-Man. The girls have stashed the Dragon Man in the basement storage of their apartment building because, in New York, all apartments probably come with a giant storage space that has a garage door that no one in the building ever would use or go to. They then remember that they were supposed to save Professor Gilbert instead of just leaving him in the clutches of ne'er-do-wells. Don't! So they go full hero mode and make an anonymous phone call to the police to have them go save him. It's cute to think that this will be enough to stop the bad guys and free the Professor Gilbert. But, spoiler alert, it is not. The last page has both sets of kids showing up in front of their apartment. Both the girls and the boys want to know where the others were. Katie says, Wouldn't you like to know? They enter their apartment and find their parents have also just arrived at home. Awkward. The parents, amazingly, shrug and say that it was okay because at least they were together. Brain damage. <laughs> I want to talk about this later, but for now... Next issue, Man and Dragon Man. So, 
Jeff. Mm-hmm. That was an issue, wasn't it? I it is definitely an issue that we both read. Yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. It mm-hmm. it's, it really is an an issue. And um, if you can't take anything away from us, it's that fact. Please try and take that fact away from us. We read this. It's it's an issue. I and, read it um, several times. Yes, several several times. And and it took me a long time to really figure out what was happening. They go so many places. They do so many things, and yet nothing happens. Oh well, Spider Man swung around town and remembered what was happening, and he had a meeting with Cloak and Dagger. And Cloak and Dagger said, "We're gonna fight crime, and we're gonna do it our way." And Spider Man was like, "Okay, but I'm gonna lie to you." And then Cloak and Dagger left and went on like this exciting adventure just to go fight gangsters, and then. Spider-Man went to college and he saw an old professor of his and was like, this professor's great, but he's very childlike and eccentric. And then Dragon Man stole the professor away it and then Spider-Man chased the dragon and Gilbert and then there were but kids there too. what about Power Pack? They're not, I think they're in this, but they're not in this. There's just nothing going on. All right, let's, we've got issues with this issue. Mm-hmm. Let's bring it in. Last page. Mm-hmm. Parents have brain damage. Yes, they do. I got a problem with this. Well, they're, bring it up with the snarks, buddy. They're pretty new to New York City, right? Yeah, they are. Uh, this is the 80s. Mm-hmm. Crime is pretty impressive, right? Yeah, I yeah. think it was in the 80s when New York was not yeah. family-friendly, we'll say. These kids are 12-year-olds or less, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So they're bouncing around the city, and the parents don't know where they're at. Okay, well, the parents, who have brain damage, uh, think that they just went out to the store. And say there's a bodega just, like, at the base of the, you know, just just around the corner, just at the Mom base of the Mom came home with Katie and Julie. Mm-hmm. Oh, the boys aren't home yet from their simple uh, chore of going out and getting milk. Well, oh, well, I'm going to leave you girls here. They'll be back soon. And then they, they come home later on. Oh, the kids still aren't back yet. And now all of my children are gone. <laughs> brain damage. Comic logic. Unstable molecules. Just I don't saying. Know. Yeah, it's 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 just to wrap it up and show that the parents were like, oh, we went to this party and this crazy thing happened where a dragon stole a professor away. Sure. It was weird. Yeah. Bad choices all around. Bad choices from the parents, bad choices from the kids. So many bad choices in this book. I thought the best choice the kids made was well, let's coming see. home. Well, they came home. They came home. They brought milk. Uh, Jack, no, Alex had made hung out with Jack, and they read the Daily Bugle, where they saw that there was like Spider Man. Maybe would go and check out the. Uh... We'll, we'll get to the Daily Bugle. <clears throat> okay, we'll we'll yeah. talk. We'll talk about their reading choices in a little bit. Here. Okay, I'm just saying what the kids did. They read a newspaper. They, sure. They went outside. They spied on Spider Man, Cloak and Dagger. They they didn't do a lot. They just kind of hung out with they, Spidey. They snuck out and they adventured to New York City. They brought a dragon back to their house. Bad choice. <laughs> it's so cute, though. They just take him down. It's just like, in passing earlier in the book, it's great. It's just this great foreshadowing where, like, a guy's sweeping and he's all like, hey, you guys seem to have a lot of stuff. If you have too much for your giant apartment, you can store it down in the basement where everybody, where nobody stores anything. So it's just this huge open space where nobody would even notice if you, like, brought a dragon in. A big purple dragon. Yeah, who then takes a little nap and they put out a tiny little bowl of water for him if he gets thirsty. Sure, like a little and puppy. Then, yeah, 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 and, yeah. And then they put the... This, the tiniest of all blankets over him so he can sleep it's this it's like if you took speaking of which though the girls don't tell the boys yes i know this this issue is called secrets but the girls don't tell the boys about that they got a dragon downstairs Mm -hmm. so the girls like oh shh it's okay we got a dragon downstairs maybe they'll talk about it at the beginning of the first issue say Uh, say the next issue is going to have their splash page where they'll recap and the girls are going to be like we own a dragon now and the boys are like we're friends with spider-man and everybody's going to be like well this was crazy well yeah that'd be nice individual the boys let's hear alex a bad choice of trying to you know jumping from rooftop to rooftop 
is not a great way to test your powers out without Julie around to catch you when you inevitably are going to screw up. Yeah, there's that. When they're sneaking around the bad guy's lair and they oh. want to try to get, they want to try to get the little control box. Oh, don't get, so yeah. so Katie goes for the control box. Julie does not. No, Julie's name is Lightspeed. I know. They yes, I I saw that. It's like they are sent. Okay, so the glowing five year old is going to creep into the bad guy's main. We'll just say lair. It's the area the uh, area they hang out with. Yeah, he she's going to sneak in and grab it as opposed to this is a rain what a rainbow. This is should not be called secrets. This should this issue should be called bad. bad. Choice. It is totally bad choices. Let's break out our library card, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, this Daily Bugle that the boys are reading. So, what is the Daily Bugle? The Daily Bugle is the fictional New York City tabloid newspaper that Marvel Comics has been using for a long, long time. This is a real big plot element. Think like the Daily Bugle. Think like uh, the Daily Planet is for Mm -hmm. Superman. Daily Bugle is kind of it for for Marvel Comics. It's really well known for J. Jonah Jameson, Mm -hmm. who's the editor-in-chief, once again, See a Marvel movie if you need to. This is the newspaper that Peter Parker works for, and he takes pictures of Spider-Man. Uh, this is <laughs> yeah, look up any uh, J. Jonah Jameson meme. It's it's awesome. It's yeah, it's just like bring me pictures of Spider-Man. Um, this newspaper first appeared in Fantastic Four, and this has just been throughout the Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. But this is this is a tabloid. It yeah. really is. It, yeah, it is. Yeah. The boys are not reading like the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal. They're reading the Post. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's it's very much just kind of like it's like they have actual news, they have actual good information, and you know JJJ owns it, and so he gets to push his own little agenda, which happens to be that he hates Spider Man, who by the way is a menace. Did you know that? I read it in the Daily Bugle. Let's just move on to my favorite corner of this basement. And that's the science corner. Yeah. Population, Mr. Cowboy Science. Yes, it's a lonely corner. Okay, well, a uh, plot thing that's been going on for the past couple of issues is uh, Julie broke her arm. And then she, you know, Alex splitted it up and then she went and she got a cast. The Possibly the flimsiest excuse for a cast I've ever seen from a doctor trying to bilk out somebody's insurance company. Because it really just looks like an ace bandage wrapped around them. Because normally casts have a little bit of bulk. This really just is... Well, I mean, it looks like it's out mostly healed. That's what the doctor said. Well, yeah, and that's kind of the thing is uh arm break arm breaks are the most common bone to break they take about six weeks to heal a broken arm and she you know the doctor had said that julie was at about a month it can take up to 10 weeks depending on kind of your health health level and then earlier uh not earlier younger people can actually heal bones up to you know faster sometimes so they can heal it up to like three weeks like he had said it looks like it's already healed, but we'll just kind of throw this on as sure. just, just as a just in case. Oh, and Julie actually went and got her cast removed today. So, hey, that's neat. She doesn't have to worry about that burdensome ace wrap. The only science I could really talk about right now, other than <laughs> how do you create a dragon man with science and alchemy? Okay, I can't do that. No, we're not going to talk about that. But I can <clears throat> talk about the history of the cast. Sure. So a splint, is, which Alex gave again, uh, is basically the predecessor of a cast and works in the same kind of way. It's just a more temporary version of it. Uh, history of the cast. The ancient Egyptians used wooden splints made of bark wrapped in linen. Ancient Hindus treated fractures with bamboo splints, and the writings of Hippocrates discuss the management of fractures in some detail, recommending wooden splints plus exercise to prevent muscle atrophy during the immobilization. The ancient Greeks also used waxes and resins to create stiffened bandages, and the Roman, and the Roman Celsus, writing in 
AD 30, describes how to use splints and bandages stiffened with starch. Arabian doctors used lime derived from seashells and albumin from white eggs to stiffen bandages. The Italian school of Salerno in the 12th century recommended bandages hardened with a flour and egg mixture, as did medieval European bone setters who used casts made of egg white, flour, and animal fat. From there, they moved on to the modern plaster Paris casts, and then to the even more modern times, fiberglass casts with waterproof liners. The most cutting edge, and not on the market yet, is the 3D printed cast. 3D printed casts boast an open latticed plastic design that's customized to the individual patient by scanning the affected area and printing it in two parts that are then connected on the broken limb. They're waterproof, they're more comfortable, and they may even help bones heal faster. And they really look kind of cool. Yeah, it's this neat kind of, you know, like open mesh. So yeah. it, to- you know, it's like, oh, you've got this cool looking thing on your arm. And it's, you know, massive air holes in it. So it breathes really well. And if you get, you know, the itchy scratches with a cast, well, it's right there. You can open, you know, it's it's open. Mm. There's your skin. You can scratch at it. So it's really kind of cool looking. Yeah, cool. Yep. That's my science for the day since I can't talk about alchemy with any kind of real authority. No, that's a very nice book report. Your mom would be very proud of you. She's going to put it up on the refrigerator. And your mom's even here, too. She is here. Yeah, she, uh, uh, speaking of science, she had her second knee replaced on Friday. So she's here recovering, and she's doing really, really well. Hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. Love you. Get well soon. On that fascinating journey down the history of castes that started way back in Egypt, I think we should just jump on a boat, travel on down the Nile to Final Thought Oasis. (laughs) Okay, I like it. Refrigerator Gallery. What piece of art in the book needs to be on the family refrigerator. Okay, on page four is one that I call Hilarity. It is, uh, it's the middle middle right of the page. And this is around the time when uh, Alex is going full on G-Momber and dropping G's left, right, and, well, just left and right because he drops two. And he's dumping Jack out of their bunk bed by, by degravitizing the bed. And there's this awesome picture of Alex just sitting on top of the bunk bed laughing his head off while a cloudy Jack is looking at I'm like, really, Alex? Really? It's like Alex is laughing at the uh, spirit of his dead brother. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> Jack, you're dead. You're so stupid. You died. And he's like, I'm going to haunt you for my, the rest of my life. And he's like, what life? You're a ghost. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. That's my backup. I absolutely love that. It just cracked me up because it is very, it's it's so sitcom because it's like, wah, wah, oh, you. I will see your Alex one and I will raise you an Alex and Spider-Man. Okay. And this is on page 20. Mm-hmm. And it's after uh, Spider-Man gives his life lesson to Alex and Jack. And he's sending them on their way, uh, saying, head home and take care of your sisters. Well, it's Spider-Man reaching down because, you know, Spider-Man's up on a chimney and mm-hmm. he's talking down to the kids as an adult is one to do to children. Mm-hmm. And he's shaking Alex's hand. So you got Spider-Man shaking this kid wearing a Spider-Man mask. And I just call <laughs> yeah. it Spidey meets Spidey. There's something just really funny about Spider-Man shaking Alex's hands while he's wearing that mask. Okay, that is pretty great. Yeah, yeah. I just... It, it, it stuck out to me. It's just kind of something kind of funny. Okay. Uh, ready for my number one? Ready my for your number prime, one. prime pick? Yep. All right. Page one, splash page. Huh. Really? Yep. yep. It's yep. page one, splash page, which I call Bad Night for a Night Watchman Part <laughs> 2. <clears throat> Because Stan, after Krusty Carmody converters, you know, uh, crashed and burned because their converter got destroyed, uh, he had to get a new job. And now he's working at this warehouse that manufactures barrels of, uh, I don't know, stuff, chemicals. And uh, so Stan's there doing his night watchman thing going, well, at least it's steady work and I've moved to New York. I've gotten away from the coast. I thought I loved it there. But you know what? Let's get somewhere safe. New York in the 80s. And then what happens? Oh, an alarm gets tripped and a burglar's entering. And what is it? Oh, it's Dragon 
Dragon Man. <laughs> so Stan continues to have a bad day. <laughs> On the second page, it looks like Stan more or less has a heart attack. <laughs> no, Stan gets hit with a tail. Stan, yeah, Dragon Man just spins around thwacks uh stand the guard oh. and a bunch of barrels and just sends him flying <laughs> he just ragdolls him stan so, oh stan the only thing that saved stan from a lenny smalls uh bunny petting was the fact that uh, the ultrasonics went off and dragon man oh. shrieks in pain and runs off otherwise stan would not just be in i don't know every bone broken traction needing these casts that i talked about you see i had the same picture the the, the mm-hmm. splash page of number one i called it dragon fire and i just said big dragon breathing fire enough said but <laughs> y- you win <laughs> My page one pick was better than your page one pick. Ultimately, we both win. We both win. And Stan once again loses. Stan loses big time. He continually loses. Oh, Oh, poor Stan. On Jay and Miles Explain the X-Men, they have two characters, and I cannot remember their names. Are there two minor characters who are guards at the Hellfire Club? Oh, okay. And they nickname those characters. It's a husband and wife team. They work together, and they just have this horrible, horrible time. And they just always wonder whatever happened to them after the the night the X Men attacked and and just wiped out their entire team. <laughs> and, and they always kind of wonder about what happens to them. We've got Stan. Yeah, we've got that, Stan. The, the, this is our character, yeah. Stan. We've got Snark Seven. Mr. Strahd and Stan the guard. Stan has it just rough. Stan. Poor, poor Stan. Stan. Rubber and glue moment. What was the best or most childish insult in this book? Well, on page 15, strangely, Jack says something funny to be insulting. All right. So what do you got? It's a very bottom right of the page of Jack as a cloud flying away. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. So Alex yep. basically is, you know, it's like, oh, we better follow Spider-Man. He might need our help. And I can't believe it. We actually talked to Spider-Man. And, and Jack is all, man, are our dumb sisters going to be mad they missed this? <laughs> Just dumb sisters because they're not there because they had to go to the hospital and get a cast removed. You know, if it's not one thing, it's another thing with sisters. I mean, come on. I know. You break a bone. You got to go to the doctors. You adopt a dragon. Ugh. Sisters. For some reason, I also have a Jack, but I have a different Jack moment myself on page eight. And this is where Alex is jumping from roof to rooftop to rooftop, degravitizing himself, gets caught in an updraft of wind, is like flipping all the way around. Jack's following him up behind him and, you know, watching him do this. And he is just mocking him. And he even says, hurry up and get stabilized, you clown. Actually, I think he sounded like this. Yeah, no kidding. Hurry up and get stabilized, you clown. Yep, that's exactly the voice. That's exactly what he said. I, mm-hmm. I saw it. It's right there. It's right there in black and white and stereo surround sound yep yeah, yeah so, it actually has the little like uh you know translated from jeff speak yeah, yeah. Things, uh, actually i think i think it's it. jeff sounding like jack so, oh exactly yeah, that's yeah. How it goes. so i'm going with you're, you're saying dumb sisters i'm saying clown okay that works <laughs> <laughs> jack just hates his entire family really or does he, no he's i think he's just disappointed in them. He, he shows love in a different way that's all i gotta say love and, in, and indifference <laughs> That's his different way is indifference. The best you get out of Jack is indifference. <laughs> and occasionally he'll bring you a tooth. I, I think it's more than indifference. I, I I think you're right first time. I think it's just he despises them. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be... Oh, that'd be great if they do the uh, like the later later years thing. And 11 Jack more is com- years. 11 more years with these kids. <laughs> I'm, moving, I'm moving away. And I'm going to join some group that doesn't have my family in it. <laughs> I want to see the yeah you know, the adult version or the you know the later teen version stories later, and it's just like the power pack is just three kids, and then occasionally Jack has a solo issue, <laughs> and and 
he he says he's like he's his issues are constantly him like yeah I hated my family and they never took my cloud form out of respect and he just because I got small he called me a Ken doll and then uh, when they go to the other three kids doing stuff occasionally like I wish Jack was here I love him but he's so angry <laughs> he's an angry young boy he's so angry. such an angry he's such an angry dark rainy little cloud yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that cloud has no silver lining. <laughs> He's the angriest Ken doll ever. (laughs) Okay. Stars in detention. Speaking about the kids, we need to identify who was the best and the worst in this issue. Oh man, this was hard. That you know, I have the same thing. I said this is, was a hard one. Yeah, it's because I think I think all the kids, all the kids did a horrible job this issue. I think they made some pretty bad and irresponsible choices. In fact, that is the big theme in this comic. Yeah, the let's just as a default, we can say who's in detention? The entire <laughs> class. But who's going to get out of detention first? Okay. Uh I'm going to say that Katie gets out of detention first. I'm agreeing with you on this. What are your reasons? Uh, what was it? It was Katie. Katie actually did some stuff. She was like, hey, we need to go help that man being carried away by the dragon. And when they talked to the man being carried away by the dragon, they're like, hey, when we go rescue him, why don't we rescue the dragon as well? Sure. And then she finds out that like, oh, the control device is hurting, hurting dragon right. man. Baby. I'm sorry. I meant baby. Baby's being hurt by this control device. We need to destroy that. Hey, let's take drag, you know, baby home, and we're gonna put him here, and I'll put a blanket over him and everything, because we love baby. You know, so she every, she did the most actively. Yeah, she to actively she man. actively did stuff to help people. Right. So that's why I think Katie. I I am completely in agreement with you. I mean, now, Julie was a close second because she called the police anonymously. <laughs> it's this great thing where she's calling. She's like, "Police! There's this old church, and bad men have this guy named Gilbert yeah. as a professor. You should go save him." And the police are like, "Oh, can you tell us who you are?" No, I can't. At, Goodbye. At least the girls. At least the girls did the dishes. Yeah, they and they did. Oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, they did that's the, the bar we're going for. Yeah. Which kid did the cho- which kids did the chores? The girls. Yeah, right there you go. So with that in mind, which of the two boys is gonna be in detention until dessert time? Jack. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Why is your reason for Jack? <laughs> the only thing Jack did was, uh, well, I guess he technically did two things. He's like, you can use my old Spider-Man mask I used sure. for Halloween last year, and he said when Spider-Man's like, which which way did Dragon Man go? And Jack went that, that way. way. Done. Done. That is it. That is Jack's contribution to the entirety. I would say that my reasoning is that he really didn't care about any of the consequences. No. Well, Jack doesn't care about consequences. Nothing of real note. Alex at least felt bad by the end about what he had done. Mm -hmm. Jack's like, meh. Well, Alex also held up to his responsibility because Jack was like, we need to go find Spider-Man while we're here. We got one day... You know, wake me up in the morning. I'm not going to want to wake up. Sure. Wake me up. And Alex was like, you wanted me to wake you up. Come on, wake up. Yeah. Now let's research it. Look, we got a Daily Bugle. It, here's a picture of Spider-Man. We can go over here and maybe we can find him. And then Alex was also like, Spider-Man's falling, quote unquote, to his doom. Yeah, Alex saved Spider-Man. Yeah, quote unquote. Eh. Yeah. And, ex- and Boy explains it crazily how he saved Spider-Man. <laughs> Spider-Man gets lucky. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about some G-forces because there's an awful lot in this issue how many we need to count the number of g's alex dropped in the comic uh the g bomber struck four times which i mean he's making up for lost time yes which is really pretty great so four times huh 
There you go, that many times. Okay, so four Gs is just under a top fuel drag racing world record of 4.4 over a quarter track. So a drag racer pulled uh, 4.2 Gs doing a quarter mile. So, Dang, okay, that's pretty yeah, fast. Yeah, so they're fast, that goes. Alex dropping four Gs, our G average is uh, 3.16 bar repeating. Okay. And hey, guess where we're at? High G roller coaster stage still, still because that's where we're going to live. And uh, in Toto, our G-Force is uh, 19 Gs. We're getting up there now. Yeah, we're really getting up there. 19 Gs is just under twice the uh, permittable turn G-Forces uh, that a Red Bull race plane can do in like their stunt planes. Twice. And the race plane. Twice. Yeah, so yeah, uh, the Red Bull race planes, when they're doing their turns, can pull up to 10 Gs. So we're at 19. Wow. Yeah. So okay. Twice of a, a stunt plane pulling a turn. All right. So... Alex is reaching the level of, of double a stunt plane. Double a stunt plane. Double a stunt plane. That is our G Forest report. Upgrades. I got to keep it interesting, man. I gotta yeah, keep that's it great. Every time it's something new, I love that. We need to evaluate each issue against the rest of the series. So, just as a reminder, yeah, we've got uh, issue number four is leading the pack, mm -hmm. followed by issue number three, then the first issue, then the fifth issue, and our last place is issue number two, Butterfinger. Where they introduced Stan the Guard. Where they did introduce Stan the Guard, Which and they also, uh, we also see Carmody for the first yeah, time. Yeah, the very first yeah. time, who I wonder if he will be back hmm. in future issues. I would think that he, I think the Snarks and Carmody will, will all be back. Yes, they will. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, I know I, that for a fact. I can guarantee that as well. Um, what you feeling on this one? Well, uh, this sixth issue is in sixth place. We don't even need to. We have agreement. We have agreement on this. I. The, I would put it lower if I could, but we haven't gotten to issue seven yet. So. The the, the storyline is, it, the kids jump all over the place. It just doesn't seem like a good solid. story. Story. It's like they're in New York now, and the writers don't quite know how they fit in yet with the Marvel Universe. But you know what we gotta do is we have to introduce Cloak and Dagger because they are the flavor of the month that all the comic books have as guest stars right now. Mm -hmm. We need to have Spider-Man because he's our flag bearer for Marvel Comics at this time. And, and we needed to, let's go ahead and throw in an old Fantastic Four extra. So there's just a lot of beans in this soup, but it's just not coming together. It is really designed just to say, they're in the Marvel Universe, here's some characters you know, they're in their universe. Take them seriously because they're part of the greater whole. Unfortunately, this happened happened a lot during the 80s where they had a lot of crossovers for crossover's sake. I mean, you're talking about the era of Secret Wars. Sometimes you just didn't need it. And I think this is one of these issues where, I, you know, you probably could have had a good time with them introducing Spider-Man, but it just didn't work. No, not really well. And it's, yeah, nobody really did anything. No. That's the biggest problem with this issue is stuff happened but nothing really did and yeah. it wasn't really to anybody's kind of there wasn't it, it wasn't it was barely even response it was just sort of like hey we're gonna go outside hey i saw a thing at the same time i still like the kids i still think yep. the kids even though nothing really happened i still think the kids were being kids and yep. their mistakes were mistakes that kids make the artwork june brigman's back we love her artwork it's just it's simple it's natural 
it's clean and everything else is fine it's just that don't like the yeah Oh, there is one nice thing, though, I wanted to mention is that we are starting to get more letters now. Oh, actually, yeah, they start the letters page. Yeah. Which is, what do they call that? They call they, it... They call it the pick of the pack. That's right. And these are always kind of fun just to read. I mean, there's a lot of interesting stuff in here. I like just how polite and pleasant the responder is to everybody's questions. Because some of them aren't really questions, but like statements. Oh, sure. People, you know, there's one guy who's well, all like, you did this person wrong because they should be doing this, and that's a dumb name. Well, I agree. I agree with this completely. Yeah. Dear Power Pack postal page, I love it. Wonderful. Stupendous. One complaint, though. I despise Alex's code name. It sounds like a sissy's name. Nothing against Alex, of course, but the name doesn't fit someone with his incredible power. How about Graviton? Please consider this. I wouldn't want any other superheroes to think of him as a sissy because of his code name, Herman Smurgengolf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the way she, the way that the editor answers back, handles it just is a pro. Get ready to drink. Gee, Herman, Alex thought it was a very sophisticated choice. The astronauts speak of G's to represent gravities. They have to withstand eight G's under takeoff, etc. So the name seemed unnatural. As to what the other superheroes will think. We found out this issue when Alex and Jack met Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, at no point did Spider-Man go like, gee, that's a sissy's name. Or, gee, that's a great name because it's scientific. He just I, he, Spider-Man just goes, how old are you? <laughs> I will say I, did, I was very, very pleased to see mm-hmm. that in this first letter page that Portland, Oregon was represented. Hey. Did you notice that? Uh, I think I did, and I think yeah. I have since forgotten. Yeah, some there was a somebody who wrote in that lived in Northeast Portland. So yippee yippee yippee. Hey, cool. Anyways, so yeah, uh, we're gonna keep an eye on those Power Pack letter pages too to see if there's anything interesting that we want to add in there. But let's talk about beer. Let's talk about beer, baby. Right. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about Power Pick, baby. Let's talk about this hot. Uh, I ran. I lost it. <clears throat> Song's done. We're talking about Dragon Tooth Stout. What do you think? I enjoy it. Uh, it's not the best stout that I've had. Sure. But it is quite pleasant. Yeah. In fact, I'm refilling my empty glass right now. <laughs> I already did. I already refilled my I, I was actually looking at your glass. I'm like, has Rick not been drinking? What's been going on? Because... I use my, I use my superpower of filling my glass with beer. Yeah, that is... <laughs> <laughs> I have an amazing... Uh, a similar... Uh, superpower, which yes. is emptying my glass of no, beer. No, your your superpower is amazing belches. Uh, <laughs> yeah, having dinner right before the podcast might be the problem with that. Let's give some Powerballs to this beer. Okay, uh, I enjoy it. I'd give it a good four and a half. Four and a half? Yeah. I'd say so. Mm-hmm. I have had this beer before, and um, I keep track of my beers on Untapped because it's my way of keeping track of what I drink. Mm-hmm. And how much? And it's a little sad sometimes. Anyways, <laughs> uh, I did look it up. And hey, how did you get started on Untapped? <laughs> somebody for Christmas one year uh, decided to give me an advent calendar of beer. Yeah, German beers. German beers. Advent calendar of German beers. <sighs> and then became my. Then I had my love affair with beer that has been going on for about two years <laughs> yeah. now. So um, I originally said this was a three point seven five, but. Um, I'm enjoying this much more this time. I'm willing to actually move this up to a, um, I'm willing to move this up to a four myself. Mm-hmm. So I'm giving this a four. Yeah. It's, it's, it goes down easy. It has a nice taste. Yeah. It's just, it's kind of a multi kind of, uh, it's a nice stout aftertaste yes. is what it really boils down to. Yeah. It's good. All right. Now that we've given you our thoughts on the beer, why don't we get our kids perspective? And that's where we ask a question of Rick and his seven year old daughter. So take it away. Carrie and Rick. Hi, Carrie. Hi, daddy. 
How are you doing? Good. So tell me, what did you think about issue number six? I knew it's a really high level, so that means like there's more things that's getting interesting. You mean it's a high issue number, so there's more、yeah. things that are interesting? Yeah. <laughs> the more higher they get, the more stuff you can learn about the people in it. Like the kids? Yeah. What kind of stuff did you learn about the kids? At the first issue, I noticed that the kids really did like Whitey,、mm -hmm. and now in this issue, like the issue six, which is the one we're talking about right now,、mm -hmm. the kids are definitely knowing more stuff. Whitey gave them their powers for a reason, and that reason is to protect the world. And so now in this issue. Like the two boys would want to see Spider-Man,、mm -hmm. and then the two girls just want to have fun in there. Is that what they're doing? Just having fun in the air? What What were they doing though? Why were they going out and flying around? Because they were looking for their brothers. Mm-hmm. And who did they find instead? Dragon Man and Professor Gilbert. What did they end up trying to do? Save him and and Professor Gilbert. But first, they rescued Dragon Man. But they, I didn't see in the issue that they rescued Professor Gilbert. No, no. They tried calling the cops and seeing if the cops could rescue him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What part of this issue did you like the most? I like the part where Katie was like, "Wouldn't you like to know?" I like that. <laughs> What did you think of Spider-Man? He was pretty nice to Alex and Jack. What did he tell them to do, though? He told them to go home. Did he think they were too young to be out superheroing? Yep. Yeah. He doesn't really know their age, though. They haven't told him their age. Did they tell them their identities? Um, they did not tell him them their real names, but they told them, you know. G is Alex and、mm -hmm. Massmaster is、um, Jack. Did you like this issue more or less than the other issues? It's as good as the others. Anything else you wanted to say though? Uh uh. Okay, I love you, Carrie. I love you too. Bye. Shout out time. We like talking about this stuff, and we hope we entertain you. When you leave us a comment or send us a letter, we'll at least give you a shout out. Yes, we will. From iTunes, we would like to recognize these really nice people who left us very kind reviews. Laser Mastermind, who commented that this brought him back to his youth and thought that we were hilarious. I don't think that's his real name. Log Tripper, who thinks we are awesome, but he may be biased since I routinely buy him beers and then take him out for some midnight geocaching. Yeah, that might be a little biased.、Just、and then,、little. but this this person though, I believe is their actual name, Ogre from Stabbing Contest, who thinks we are well spoken and funny. Ogre from Stabbing Contest, you have no idea how heavily we edit the show to sound this well spoken. Oh my gosh! And from Stitcher, Jack and Dan started listening after hearing about our show on Tying Up the Defense. His kids are super stoked that someone is covering Power Pack. So are we, Jack and Dan. So are we. Jeff and Rick present is a bi-weekly podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can go through Twitter at Jeff and Rick present, our Facebook page Jeff and Rick present, our email address Jeff and Rick present, all one word at gmail dot com, or at our website Jeff and Rick present dot wordpress dot com. And as always, we want to thank the wonderful women in our life. My wife Cindy and our daughter Carrie. My fiance Hillary and our daughter Aurora. We, We love, love you. you. Until next week. Costumes, costumes off. off.
theme music is 80s action. Also featured in this episode are Video Dungeon Crawl and Overworld. All music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. Where we journey... Th- <laughs> Where we recycle. <laughs> the last group to claim such ignom... Ignominious. 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 Let's do that. Ignominious. 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 The last group to claim such credit was the Circus of Crime. That takes care of that problem. It takes care of ignominious really well. It's like when you go to, when you're trying to spell a word and you can't spell it, so you're just like, "Well, I can spell this word, and that's like that word." I may have done that more than once. Yep. <laughs>